Looking for a way to make some quick cash? Well, making money with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love riding my bike around the city, and now I get to do that while getting paid. With DoorDash, I get to pick my own hours and be my own boss. I get paid on my deliveries and keep 100% of my tips. Not to mention the sign-up process was so quick and easy. Guys, I'm telling you, just download the DoorDash driver app and see how easy it is to start earning cash today. What's the big deal, deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just $5.99 each? Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand-tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, going! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's, too, where you can... Two item minimum pan pizza, bone and wings, and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. You have tuned in to Kingdom Encounter with Glenn Blakeney. Connect with us for powerful, life-changing teaching and guest interviews that will inspire you with hope and equip you with the knowledge and skills needed to fulfill your destiny in the kingdom of God. Now, here is Glenn Blakeney. Hey everyone, how you doing? Glenn Blakeney here of Kingdom Encounter Broadcast and Awake Nations Ministries. Thank you so much for being our guest tonight. We are so excited about this broadcast. We originally had planned to do this on Thursday evening. That's our normal time where we air these interviews and broadcasts. But tonight is Wednesday here in Canada and the United States, 9 p.m. in the East Coast. And we are just honored to have you guys join us. I know you're going to be blessed. You're going to be challenged as you hear the testimony of my guest tonight, Grant Robertson. He has joined me all the way from Sydney, Australia, or in New South Wales, which is Sydney's in New South Wales. And of course, they are in a lockdown again over there and uh, very difficult uh, time. You know, it's been a year and a half now that we've been in this pandemic and still we're seeing lockdowns and and things are are tough. Um, people are sick. Again, we're starting to see this. A friend of mine just messaged me this morning from Kenya and Africa and told me all of the pastors that he knows that actually have have passed away in the past few months as a result of COVID. Uh, another friend in Nepal, uh, again, so many in Myanmar pastors that have died. What a terrible thing. We really need to pray against COVID-19, and um, we just need to pray that the Lord intervenes in this. So I want to encourage you guys just to go ahead and share the broadcast, as we always do. Just hit the share button, and let's get this uh, broadcast disseminated. Also, if you would be so kind as to leave your comments, thank you so much for joining my good friend, uh, Dr. John Burpee. Great. Uh, from the, okay, Chris Looks like he's from the central coast of New South Wales. Maybe someone you know there, Chris Lloyd. <laughs> so thank you, Chris, for joining, guys. Yeah, let us know where you're watching from. That is great. Also, we want to get the algorithm working here on Facebook. So your comments help that. The, lots of comments, and uh, we, we are going to make sure that we get that going. And we are also on YouTube and Instagram. You can follow my name, Glenn Blakeney, on Instagram, YouTube, 
uh, Facebook. We'd love for you guys to connect with us that way as well. well I want to just tell you a little bit about um, who we are and what we are involved with. We actually uh, have a ministry, my wife and I, called Awake Nations. We've been in ministry for many years, and we've been preaching the gospel around the world. We've pastored, we've, we've itinerated, we've done a lot of different things, and we're currently based in the United States, in the great state of Texas, right now live from Florida. <laughs> and uh, But I, wanna, I just want to say, guys, we would love for you to connect with our ministry. And there's a couple of ways that I think you would really find value in connecting with us. The first is what we call the kingdom community. We have a kingdom community, and essentially what that is, is we are a spiritual family. We invite the body of Christ to connect with us. We offer training. We offer fellowship. We do things together. We do ministry together. Gosh, we've got some great things coming up in October, the first and second. We have a, our first conference here in Florida. It's going to be epic. We've got people coming from all over. Literally, we have guests coming from different nations of the world. And then Earlier on in the year, next year in March, we're going to be doing a um, boot camp for missions. If you know people that would like to come and join with us for about three weeks, take time out of the schedule. We will be training, equipping, hitting the beaches in Florida, and then we're going to take a trip down to uh, Central America and do some ministry there as well among people that are just great people that desperately need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So connect with our kingdom community for covering, for relationship, for networking, for, for training and equipping. And also we're currently offering some free courses. Guys, this is stuff on the kingdom, okay? So um, really it is extraordinary training. And I say that not because I'm involved with it. In fact, um, we have several great men and women of God that are, are teaching these courses. And we meet on the third Wednesday of each month. We just started in July. So we'll be meeting next on the 18th of August. That's here in Canada, USA time. And uh, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central time. And then once again, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central time, the third Wednesday of each month. Two courses we're offering. Understanding the gospel of the kingdom, so important that we understand the gospel of the kingdom. Read Matthew 24, 14. Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the world to all the nations as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. And then also shifting to an apostolic approach to ministry. And um, guys, we're going to be talking about why we need to shift the way we do church. And COVID-19 has really showed us that the church needs to pivot. We need to change. We need to transition into moving beyond the four walls. We need to be innovative, but we need to engage the harvest. We need to equip believers. We need to step into the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this by our strategies and our ministries and our programs. We need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to break through, to break through all the satanic barriers and to set people free, to heal to deliver, to see salvation, the gifts of the spirit in operation. And we, we need to also see real community. We need to develop spiritual family. And God is, is called us to do that as his body and to demonstrate that love, the love of Jesus Christ. So 
If you're interested in our kingdom community, just go to awakenations.org forward slash community. If you're interested in the training that I've just referenced, you can go to awakenations.org forward slash equip and you can sign up to be added to that. The training sessions are on Zoom. We give you notes. Um, we, we have Q&A. We have discussion. It's very interactive. If you complete all six sessions and, and if you miss the July sessions, that's okay. We'll get you caught up. There's, we'll send you the videos, but you need to join us for the live sessions from now on, from August through to December. And once you complete the training, we will give you a certificate of completion for doing that. So thank you so much. Again, that go to awakenations.org forward slash equip. So thank you guys. Bless you. Well, my guest tonight is uh, Grant Robertson. Grant is actually a pastor in New South Wales, Australia. He was not always a pastor. He certainly wasn't born a pastor. None of us were. <laughs> but uh, he had a there was a gap there between the time he was born and the time he was born again, quite a few years. And during that season, uh, Grant actually was living in, in uh, darkness. This, and really, his life was being dominated by the enemy. Uh, he was an addict and he was engaged in a lot of really uh, nefarious activity. We're going to have Grant share his testimony tonight. So Grant Robertson from New South Wales, Australia, and he's a campus pastor of the Hub Church, thehubchurch.com.au. You can learn more about the Hub Church. So thank you so much, Grant, for being with me tonight. I'm really honored that you're able to join us, and uh, we welcome you to the Kingdom Encounter broadcast. Bless you, mate. <laughs> Bless you, mate. Thank you for having me. Thank you so yeah, much. You're yeah, you're welcome. And of course, you know, the cool thing about this is we actually have the the opportunity here for us to to talk about this um, and, and using social media. And, and so many of uh, the churches today have, have come to that point in ministries because of COVID-19. It's kind of pushed us out in that direction even more so. I mean, we've been involved in we were doing live streaming and live broadcasts before there was Facebook Live or Periscope or any of the, the live sessions. Um, so we've been doing that for quite a few years now. But now everybody's online, and that's a good thing. I mean, people are, are coming to Christ from all over the world. And so we thank God for the opportunity to take this broadcast tonight, your testimony, Grant, of how God has transformed your life and... Um, you know, that your story, your testimony for his glory. And uh, I, I know it's going to be a powerful thing. So let's just start off by, um, you know, you just telling us a little bit about what it was like growing up for you. you you're in Australia. What was life like for you growing up? Um, so <clears throat> so I was uh, I was I was born in New South Wales, stayed in New South Wales, haven't moved out of New South Wales. Um, I was a as a young kid. I was a soft-hearted person, very kind, very sweet. Lived a beautiful with a beautiful family. My family's fantastic. I've got a great mum, great dad. Uh, okay. We went to we went everything all good. Yeah. Uh, we went to 
<laughs> we went to um, we went to mass all the time. So my mum took us to mass um, all uh, intermittently. So we'd go, you know, for three months on, then probably six months off, three months on. And uh, so life for me was I, I was um, I grew up also having twenty to thirty surgeries in my first year of uh, of life. So my 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 years of uh, my first twelve years were me just. Uh, in in a daydream all the time. So not not I didn't have brain surgery or anything like that. I was just in a daydream, trying not to deal with the fact that I knew I was so different to everybody else. I was actually kind of very strange compared to most people because of what uh, because of the the, the uh, type of surgeries and really? the type of um, yeah. So I had I had twenty to thirty. I'm I'm open about it. I had twenty to thirty surgeries. Where right. um, are you okay with me sharing this, Glenn? Because I'm okay. Is that yes. okay, Pastor? Beautiful. Absolutely. So I actually. I actually had a my my. It's it's going to be a little bit graphic, guys, but we're from Australia. We, we fight we fight sharks and and crocodiles, so we're, <laughs> we, you have to deal with us. But um, I had an I had my urethra, which was going through through a back passage, and I had a couple of other complications. Well, I had uh, I had a kidney that was diseased and was trying to kill me, and so they had I had about twenty to thirty surgeries. My mum's unsure of how many surgeries I had to recorrect everything. I grew up um, in, uh, through school being incontinent, and you can imagine what type of troubles that brings when you realize, yeah. you know, when you know you're the you're the weird kid anyway, and then not only that, but you're also the smelly kid that sometimes wets himself in school. So. I grew up. Um, I I grew up in sort of a, a sheltered home. My mum tried to and um, dad tried to shelter me as much as I could. No contact sports. Um, tried to hang around different friends that were more book type of people and um, exp- you know like the the science type of dudes and um, which was good up until about the age of twelve. Yeah, so that was sort of a, a little bit of my life. Um, I, I daydreamed a lot. You know, dreamt of not being in the world. Dreamt of aliens taking me. All that weird stuff that you know. Um, that comes with with sort of feeling like um, you're a bit weird compared to everyone else, and you know, and and going to a Catholic church. The, the other dynamic of that, with Glenn, with Pastor Glenn, was this: that that you go to a church and you're told that you're told that you're significant and you you made in the image of God, and and you and, and He knitted you in your womb. Yet you know inside yourself that there's something that wasn't. You don't. You're like, well, did He knit me wrong? And so, yeah, it, it, it's something that really clicked into my um, teens. That type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. And that's true. I mean, that's 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 being honest and real and raw. You know, you we uh, can be so cliche as believers in the church. There's real uh, issues. People have real struggles. Of course, God loves. Of course, God has created everyone. But, you know, sin and has brought sickness and disease and poverty and shame and, you know, even the enemy. Um, it's wrecked havoc on people's lives. So absolutely. So let's talk about what it was like for you, you know, um, growing up as a teenager. What what did that look like? Okay. So I'll, I'll share another story before I go into this. Is that okay, Pastor yeah. Glenn? Beautiful. Yeah, and, of and, and so, It's so your, really, your spotlight. So. It's, all, it's all you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's all about him. It's got to be all about him, right. and that's where I'll, we'll get to in that part of the story. And, and we have to get to. So, if you've got anyone that's in, in drugs or alcohol right now, uh, family members, I encourage you from this point on, you need to get them to listen to this. I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you a very powerful story tonight about what Jesus can do in someone's life, in my life, not just someone else's, but my own life. Anyway, yeah. so at the age of twelve, 
I remember it was um, I was transitioning into I don't know what you guys would call it, but year, year six into year seven, so it's probably middle school for you guys. It's right. high school for us. So, um, so in the summer holidays, which is our Christmas time, we I got up one morning and I just remember all I want to do was be a priest. I didn't know there was pastors out there. I didn't know that, you know, you could get married being a priest or all this stuff. So I just remember waking up one morning in, in, the, in our school holidays, just thinking, I want to be a priest. I've got to find a Bible. So I went looking around the home. I start investigating. I get there. I finally find a Bible. You know what it is? It's a, this terrible, terrible comic Bible, right? Which my, which my uh, Pentecostal uncle and aunt bought me. And, and they bought it to us for us when we were, you know, when I was younger. So I started flipping through this thing that, no, 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 I want the real thing. I want the real Bible. Like, give yeah, me right. King James, right? <laughs> I'm like, give me Kingy, give me King James, give me Jimmy. And so I, <laughs> so I go around, look around the house. There's not a single Bible apart from this comic book, uh, wow. comic Bible in my house. And um, this went on for three days. I even, you know, tried to dress like a priest. You know, I went around with a black shirt and I put on the white collar because I was, God was obviously doing something in my life. And I was right. really excited about it, I was, but I, I didn't have the, the humility to ask my parents for the Bible or have the you know humility. I knew neighbors down the road, they went to church, but I didn't have the humility to ask them. Right. So I, th- these three or four days, I can't remember how long it was, I was just so intrigued with, with God's word and I wanted to be a priest and I was like, this is going to be great and, you know, dress like, and then, and then all of a sudden it just dissipated. I just went away. I just forgot about it. Went and played, you know, Commodore 64 or whatever computer games we had back in those days. And, um, and so that reveal now, right? You're revealing your age. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't care. Age is beautiful. And, uh, I have to say that I'm getting older. Um, so, uh, as, as I, so that year, so that year I was going into high school, I went into high school. Little did I know how much the devil was waiting for me after this moment. Um, Mm-hmm. By the age, I already started experimenting with cigarettes around about the age of eight, um, just yeah. puffing here and there, not 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 you know not uh, full on smoking or anything like that. Like just just thinking, you know, my dad did it, I can do it. Sneak him out of his packets and smoke. By the age of twelve in high school, um, I started smoking cigarettes or seventh grade for um, all, all the Americans. I, I started smoking cigarettes. And um, I remember the first time I started doing it, it was so disgusting. It was so disgusting because we're walking home from school and I'm trying to impress all my mates because I'm just in this new crowd now where, you know, before I was in the nerds and, and the scienty type of guys and that was fine. I didn't like, I, I like them now, uh, but I was trying to, I was trying to prove a point that maybe I was, uh, I was, I was one of the boys. I was, you know, with all the complexes of my previous life, uh, uh, pre- of my past, I was just trying to prove them that I'm a man or a boy or whatever it was. Yeah. One of the boys so we go walking along and there's a cigarette right with about this much left of the cigarette so i pick it up i spark it up and uh little did i know but it wasn't just me that started smoking that time all my mates started smoking or most of my mates started smoking then um that year we started dabbling in drinking um so at the age of 12 slash 13 we're drinking we're smoking um and I'm influencing him. Like, I'm like, hey, let's go and get some more alcohol. Let's go and do it. Let's steal this off your parents' cabinet. Let's go and do this. And so growing up in, in my teens, I was uh, I started influencing a whole bunch of people in a really negative way. Not because not because I was a good guy or because I was a leader, but because I had something to prove. And, and I really want to differentiate that. I actually wasn't a leader. I was actually just had something to prove. I actually wasn't trying to lead them into drugs and alcohol. I was just, Oh, that's where I was going. And I had to just prove myself to be more extreme than anyone else. 
So by the age of 14, I, 13, in, in uh, eight form, I think you call it, we, I started smoking pot um, and quite regularly too. So we started smoking pot regularly, drinking heaps, smoking. Um, that was, I was addicted to smoking. Um, I was probably looking at, you know, magazines back in those days and porno magra- pornographic magazines. And uh, I, rem- I remember it was, it was just, it was like something, it was weird. It was like, it was like someone, it's like, I've lived this sheltered life all my life. And all of a sudden it was like, I found this whole new world that I was like, not only extreme in, but I was like really good at. And uh, <laughs> I was good at taking drugs. I was good at smoking. Like it's terrible stuff. But, and, right. and so I've come out of this sheltered world. And I'm like, I, I remember thinking one day when I was about, I think 13, I think it was when I, I was thinking, how come my parents never told me about this fun life? How come my parents never told me about this, this world? world where I can get high and enjoy my life and I can you know and I don't have to worry about schooling and you know how come they hid this from me because this is so fantastic why all the time I'm still hiding my life from them too so but because I was in this place of what this is this is good but I knew it was wrong at the same time I mean I had I was I was on my way to being an altar boy at one stage so um so I, I I we hit 13 14 and we get to um and we get to um uh, we hit about 14, 15, keeps on doing the same thing. 16 is when everything started to change. So I'm smoking pot every day. I'm yeah. skipping school every day. I'm stealing things from uh, my family. Uh, um, I, I, I stole my sister's key card and, uh, and uh, got, you know, got drugs, got, got on from it and um, drinking, you know, regularly sneaking out of the home. Um, but the, the, the weird thing about me, Glenn, uh, Pastor Glenn, is this, that I actually put on a good front of being the good boy while I was at home, which was really bizarre. It's like I, I had a great family, so of course I wanted to put that on. So I had this good front that I was doing okay, that I was a nice kid, that I was a nice guy. And, um, right. and, and so my parents couldn't catch me in the act. So they sort of had an inkling that I was doing drugs, but they couldn't catch me in the act of doing drugs. So uh, I was very sly. That's probably the best way to put it past the glint is I was just very sly doing uh, certain things and getting away with certain things. I was obviously quite intelligent. I mean, I had to, I had a lifestyle of adaptation already. So I was, I was already learning to hide, you know, the fact that I had incontinence and the fact that um, I, I felt insecure and the fact I, was, I had a beautiful, I had this beautiful and I say beautiful coping mechanism because it was all i had and right. so so this transferred into drugs and alcohol where i could actually you know hold hold the fact that i you know i i presented okay but i was doing drugs and alcohol behind the scenes i mean occasionally you know i was a teenager i still had my you know still had my outbursts and stuff like that and but I, in most part, I was hiding, hiding it pretty well. And back in those days, right in school, they never actually sent letters home to your parents to say that you were that you were missing. So I remember tenth um, form, tenth grade for those in Australia. I, I, I missed the whole year apart from my yearlies. Um, mm. I didn't know how to read. Sorry, I knew how to read very well. I couldn't comprehend anything that I was reading. So I'm telling you this for a lot of reasons. So there's parts of my story why I'm telling. Um, that will come up later that you'll understand. But uh, I remember, com- you know, I'd read something and all I'd think about is cricket or how to get onto drugs, how to get more drugs or alcohol, what we're going to do. So I'd read stuff and be able to read, but I wouldn't comprehend absolutely anything that I would read. And so, so I, I, I really got poor grades um, or sometimes average grades. Uh, and every now and again, in certain things like maths, I'd get high grades because I, I love maths. 
but I missed a whole year of school because I was doing drugs down at the um, down at the wharf on the water. We had a lot of fun. Like I'm not lying, it was it was a blast. We did have fun. Um, what happened was I turned year eleven, so we're starting to get into our graduation years, and. Things took a real turn for for the worse. Like I started, you know, I started getting into punk rock music, um, started pe having piercings, and um, this was in the time where, you know, you know, Pastor Glenn, where piercings were a bit taboo back in those days, and I, tattoos were definitely in a no go, right? Probably more right. more so in the church as well. And so right. um, I I remember listening to punk rock music, and uh, and anyway, in year year eleven, I decided, hey, I'm going to leave school. So I went up. Told my told the teachers, you know, my parents had given me permission to leave school. No problems. They wanted me out of school anyway. They signed me out. And uh and I get home that night. My parents are like, I'm like, hey, I've got some great news. I left school today. <laughs> They're wow. like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with your life? I'm like, I'm working at McDonald's. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work at McDonald's. And they're like, Well, where you want to go in life? I'm like, I just want to get drugs tomorrow. Like, I don't care about the next day. I just yeah. want to know about tomorrow. I just want to make sure that tomorrow. I can get high. I want to make sure that tomorrow I can get drunk. I want to make sure tomorrow I've got my cigarettes. I've got to make, I want to make sure that I've got all my addictions fixed up. And so um, I've already left school. So my parents couldn't say no. Um, they couldn't they'd have to re-enroll me. So I go working at McDonald's and uh, we had this culture of drugs and alcohol in, in, in McDonald's and uh, where we would, we were, you know, uh, we'd go out drinking, smoking drugs until midnight, one, two, three o'clock in the morning, get up at 5am and go to work, you know, still, still pretty blasted. Um, <laughs> and I say, I say that because it's like, it's, you know what, possibly I don't even recognize who I am anymore, which is why right. I suppose I laugh at it. Um, but yeah, we started doing a lot of this stuff. I hit 18 and that's when, that's when it, not, not only just the 17, but the 18 was like, I started vomiting big time. So we're hanging around with different crowds. We're partying, we're drinking, we're stealing from pubs, you know, like we're going into bottlers and at, at nighttime and we're uh, stealing cases of alcohol where um, I'm stealing my sister's key card again and gambling it all away. Um, uh, what else was I doing? like? I was just, I was going, I was running a mark. Like I was just this, this guy with a mohawk. Like I had about a 20 to 25 to 30 centimeter mohawk, colorful, shaved head like it was the original 80s you know punk rocker sort of look yeah. walking around with chains and just I was a mess like I was just an absolute mess and so growing up through my teenagers uh, I, I sort of I, this was me trying to prove to everyone hey I'm not as strange as you think I am like to my eight to 18 you know uh, and I was trying to prove to everyone hey I'm not as strange as you think I am uh, having said that I was probably pretty strange anyway <laughs> and I remember and this is really important is that rap music was starting to come in and starting to get pretty big. We had Eminem, we had all those big influences across the world coming in. Um, and so rap music started coming in and I started becoming a, uh, uh, I started becoming a little bit, I started dabbling into mind comp and, um, and, and uh, white supremacy and not KKK, but just white supremacy. And um, so it was highly racist, even those who were, you know, who were, uh, who 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 weren't black you know i was racist to them because they listened to black music and it was just horrible like i was a horrible human being um uh, i also started sorry and then this is the other thing which i lo love to mention as well is the start of this uh, at the age of 12 and 13 i started dabbling in witchcraft so doing ouija boards um started talking to spirits i started um 
I started doing some weird stuff, having conversations and, and, and um, it was just bizarre. Crystals, anything I can get my hand on new agey um, before it was called the new age I was doing. It was just, um, it was just chaos. Like my life was just chaos doing drugs, alcohol, stalking the spirits, invoking spirits. I mean, I was doing heaps of stuff. We did seances in, 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 in um, in uh, graveyards and stuff like that. It was just, it was a mess. By the time I was 18, I had all these influences that were spiritual, that weren't great. Um, not people. I'm talking like the, 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 the heavenly realms, like demonic activity happening in my life, like so badly. Um, by the age of 18, uh, by the age of 19, I started losing friends. So the most important thing for me was getting on drugs, getting an alcohol, um, getting, you know, getting my smokes, getting into my little cozy place and just, you know, just, uh, just isolating from everyone. So I start getting higher and higher. I'm using more and more drugs. I'm, I'm hiding it better and better from my parents, even though I wasn't, they just couldn't catch me. They, you know, I was losing weight. Um, I was into the punk rock scene so heavily that all I want to do is just smoke drugs and, and be in a band. And, and so my teenagehood was, one of just absolute chaos it was it was set up by it was set up by my my childhood not by my parents and i really want to say that it wasn't my parents that i honored them and love them and it wasn't their fault i was just a i was a i was a um, messed up individual with some really 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 unusual circumstances yeah yep yeah, yeah. so i mean that's <laughs> Extraordinary. I mean, I'm I'm just listening to that, and my testimony is similar. And uh, but I had a strong Christian influence when I was younger, and that really kind of kept me from going too far, if you know what I mean. For example, the delving into the spiritual things, the spirits, the demons, all of that. I never really did that because of the fear of God that I had, uh, and I knew it was wrong. yeah, I just knew it was wrong. So. Um, did things start to get better at this point or did they get worse? I mean, no. So by the age of 20, so I had my 18th birthday. I had friends, I had family for my 18th. By the time I was 20, I started losing pretty much everyone. That's so much so that by my 21st. You mean so losing will, friends or how do you mean? Just losing friends. Like I had I just lost friends everywhere just because I was, I was robbing from all my friends. I was, um, I had drug dealers who were my friends. I was stealing off them. Uh, we'd go around to, um, their drug dealers, like my drug, drug dealers, drug dealer. And I, I, no one knew this stuff that I was actually going in and just like ripping off people. And then they would blame other people. And I loved it. I loved the chaos. I loved the, the, that I was getting away with just stealing, you know, masses amounts of drugs and it was yeah that was my life was this and it eventually got so bad that my friends didn't hang around me anymore because number one i didn't really want to be around and i'd rather be around drugs um yeah. and using i was using psychedelics i was using amphetamines i was using speed i was using uh i was using opiates at that stage as well so got to my 21st birthday and i remember i remember my parents picking me up from the house which i was living at which was just diabolical we weren't even friends we were all just drug addicts just living in this one home not paying rent you know trashing it is really bad diabolical like really diabolical my parents come and pick me up on my 21st birthday i, I only just realized it was my 21st birthday i was like oh, okay it's my 21st birthday um come home didn't even think about it there was no party it was just me mum, my little brother who would have been 
11 and my, my sister who would have been about 16 at the time. My other sister was up in Darwin and one friend who joined me and brought me a six pack of beer for my birthday. That was it. I had no one else. I didn't have any calls. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to know anyone. Like I didn't want to li- even have family. And the other thing which I got told, and sorry, and the, there's so many layers to my story, which is so yeah, quite so fun is that from the age of about 17, I was actually told that I'll never have kids because of all the surgeries that I had. Um, and so because of that, I actually, I, I didn't want to be a part of a family. I thought that's pointless being a part of a family. I may as well just, you know, I'm as I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be lonely. I'm going to be single. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. Um, what woman would want a guy that can't have kids. Right. So I just went to the, the, to the degree of just pushing everyone away yet. I still wanted a girlfriend, couldn't get a girlfriend for obvious reasons. Um, and my codependency on drugs drove everybody away so much so that I had, I ended up having two friends. One came to my birthday and the other one I used to go around. And this is a really sad story. And I, I, I want to, I'm going to share it, but I want you to understand why I'm sharing it. So you can understand who I am. Not, not that this is a good thing or something that I revel in or enjoyed okay. is on, on September, on September, uh, September the 9th, 2011. We all know that as uh, 9-11, right? I remember quitting my job the night before, coming home and uh, woke up and found the Twin Towers on fire. So me and my mate went to Sydney and we, we dressed as punk rockers. So we had chains on both sides, one to a wallet and the other one to keys or what I think it was. And we, we were met, like, I, I was trying to be Kurt Cobain at, this, at that time. So I, I just, more chaos, the better, right? I love people reacting to me and being fearful of me because I was fearful of myself and fearful of everyone else as well. And so we went down to Sydney and we grabbed our chains. And, and this is on, on the 2nd of September, uh, 10th of September. We were pretending to crash into buildings and, um, this is just how much chaos I actually wanted to, to bring into the world because um, – and I almost cried then, but I'm not going to. Um, it's because of how much pain I felt. I felt so much pain that I wanted everyone else to feel my own pain. I wanted, I wanted everyone to – I wanted everyone to feel pains because you know what? It seemed like everyone else had the best life and I had to deal with this, this stuff going on inside of me that I couldn't even control. I couldn't even do it. And it brought up so much anger and watching everybody else living their life so perfectly, wonderfully, not they were, but that's my perception. And so I, I we ran into buildings and pretended that we'll the airplanes. And, and I, I, I just remember it was, it was that it wasn't just that point in time. It was, I got home that afternoon and, re- and I didn't really comprehend how bad it was until probably a couple of days uh, later and, and, and realizing the, the, the fear and the, the chaos and the, 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 um, the, the danger of the world at that's after that, the, 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 ramifications of, of 9-11 the, the the fear that I would have struck into people and I remember just thinking geez I told you you're bad I told you're a bad kid you've always been bad you've just been hiding it you're terrible you're nothing and uh, I, I, I remember believing that so much so that that's why I did that type of stuff so I, I I went to church as well when I was about 20 I remember working in church a Pentecostal church walked in and for a couple of weeks it was going really good to try to get into youth group i actually got off drugs for a bit it was phenomenal uh passing it was phenomenal i got off drugs i got off alcohol uh, uh yeah got off alcohol i wasn't smoking i was i was at mcdonald's working at mcdonald's right now pull out my bible on my lunch break and start reading it like i said something god was doing something i had all these christians at, at mcdonald's who were helping me out and 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 really praying for me it was incredible and then 
all of a sudden, I walk into church one day and I walk in with a friend and he, he goes, come and see all my friends. So I did. And I just remember that was the day when, they, when, when about five or six guys just pointed and laughed at me. And I thought, you hypocrites, I'm out of here. I'm never coming back. I went over, my mum was going to church at that time. I went over to mum, I said, I'm done with church. I'm never coming back. I can't stand these people. can't stand the way they look at me. I can't stand the way that I'm treated. Now, I didn't even know if they were laughing at me. All I know is that I, I was so hurt and broken already yeah. that, it, that just just even them pointing towards my direction and laughing at me. And it, they probably were. I mean, I had a mohawk. I, I was weird, <laughs> like right. really weird. Anyway, Sorry. so... Uh, I've had this, I've already had this, uh, this thing where, okay, I've been in church. I've done this before. I'm, I'm never going back. Like I'm never going back. Yeah. And so yeah. the age of 21, I, at the age of 21, just after nine 11, it wasn't long after nine 11. This is when it all started ha- happening is, um, I, I was, I was going to score some drugs and I remember just thinking, oh man, I've taken, I've popped about five yeah. ecstasies right and um, I, i'm just saying the proper word because we we all have lingo so but every just so everyone knows i'm, I'm using a lot of ecstasy at this stage probably pop five to nine um, pills of ecstasy that that uh, that night on my way home i mean on the yeah out and on the way home i remember just thinking they're going this is this didn't work at all like none of, I, took, I took about five to nine i've got no i've got nothing i'm not feeling high i'm not feeling nothing all i'm feeling is just normal and pain's coming back and i remember at that point thinking i need to use needles i need to use needles i'm gonna go and start using i've been i've been doing other stuff with like ingesting heroin and coke and or doing other stuff as well but it, it was at this stage where i'm like Man, amphetamines ain't doing it for me. I need to right. start injecting. Now you got to remember, I've got one kidney. I've got uh, I've got a whole bunch of you know comorbidities, which is which is going on as well. And so I I mean I'm destined for death. I really am. I want nothing to do with Jesus. I want nothing to do with anybody. And anyway, I got home that night. No, I think it was that night. Oh, because everything is a bit of a blur when you're in drugs. Right. Um, and I remember getting home that night and I just had this full on blue with my parents. Like, and finally, finally for the first time I told them that I'm doing this type of drug and this and this, it was almost like I was throwing the face sucked in. This is the type of son you brought up, you know, I'm doing this drug and that drug and this drug. And I, you know, and I remember my mom and dad, uh, dad had to pin me down a little bit. This is quite violent. My mom and dad just looked at me and my dad, I've never seen my dad cry, but he cried that night. And, um, and they're like, you've got to get out of the house. You, 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 you can't be here. Like you are so violent. You are so aggressive. Like everyone works on eggshells around you. Like you, you were just, uh, and I won't try to be horrible, but it's just like, it's just, you're impossible to live with. They've, by the way, my parents offered me a whole bunch of myriads of counseling and stuff, which I just, I didn't take up. And, and to be honest, I don't think counseling would have helped. Um, right. um, nothing against counselors. It's just with right. what I was going through. I don't, I, I had this perception that no one understood. And they, yeah. And anyway, so uh, we had this big falling out. Mum and dad are just like, like, you got to get out of the house and you never, ever come back, ever, until you're sober. You're not allowed to come back. Or, or you can go and get, you know, you can go into a rehab, get yourself right and stay at this rehab and get yourself right for 12 months. And then we'll see if, and then we'll see if you're allowed back. Uh, if, if you can come back. In other words, you know, we want to see change. And my dad's not a Christian, by the way, still not a Christian, still working on him. So if dad, if you're listening, still working on you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And so 
this was the point where I started getting in, getting ready to go to rehab, and and I want I I, I I didn't comprehend much at that time. I just I was just a stoner, high as a kite, drunk most of the time, and just I I, I wasn't thinking. I was just thinking about the next day, just thinking how can I get drugs drugs the next day. So. I do all the things, the right things, go and get all the papers filled out. And um, I'm sitting with this lady and she's, she, her name's Donna Nee. I put a massive shout every time I t- share my testimony to Donna Nee and my mum. She got me into this rehab called Teen Challenge. You would probably, most of you would know it um, in Sydney. Yeah. And uh, so she, we go through the forms and she's like, do you believe in God? I'm like, nope. And she's ticking yes. Little to me, no, right? Do you, uh, have you detoxed? No. And she's ticking yes now. I had a detox. Are you are, are you willing to give up drugs and alcohol? No. Yes. And so she's just ticking all. The, are you willing to become a Christian? No. Yes. You know all this, and she's just ticking all the boxes because she's my mum's best friend trying to get me into rehab. Uh, they're just watching a, a guy who's pretty close to death. Yeah. So I get into rehab, and and I don't I don't remember much between <laughs> doing that form and getting to rehab. But all I remember was getting to rehab and. I've got my pouch of smokes with me and I'm like, you know, look, you know, like miserable, like, Oh man, I'm not going to get to see my friends. Like I'm just miserable. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm at the front gate and rolling ciggies and they're like, by the way, you can't smoke here. I'm like, I'm looking at them like going, you're kidding, right? Like I've, I'm still a high from last night. I'm still slightly buzzed from the drinking, drinking last night. Right. If Teen challenge hadn't known this, they wouldn't have taken me. And <laughs> so I get in there and, um, I'm like, oh my gosh! So I chow down about five cigarettes, six cigarettes, and like, you're gonna have to leave the the pouch of ciggies out here. I'm like, okay, no worries. And I was like, I was stressed. I'm like, drugs, alcohol, and now cigarettes. And they're going, oh, by the by the way, it's a Christian rehab. And that, <laughs> I tell you, I was just like, oh, I'm coming home. They're like, no, 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 no. You, you got to stay here. Like you're not coming home. You can't come home. My mum was like, no, you're not coming home. You're never coming home until you get yourself right. And I remember yeah. thinking, man, if 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 I don't go to rehab, I've got to live on the streets. There's nowhere for me to go. I don't have any friends. I've got yeah. no one who I can couch surf with. I'm I'm literally on the streets. I'm thinking I've got one kidney. I'm dead. Like I'm a dead man if I go that. I, I, I was a dead man everywhere else. And so I walk in to Teen Challenge. The first guy that I see is about a six foot two Tongan. And his name's Johnny Weeks. I still remember him. And I was sizing him up. I mean, remember, I, I've told you that I, I, you know, I've dabbled with mind comfort, white supremacy crap. Sorry for that's a swear word. It's not in Australia. Yeah. White supremacy junk. Sorry. And um, and I just remember just like looking at him, sizing him up, just thinking, oh man, I can't beat this guy. Like he's he's huge. He's like, he's about six foot two high and about you know six point six foot four wide. Like he's huge. <laughs> And I'm looking at him just going, man, I, I, what am I going to do? Like, I can't intimidate this guy. I can't, there's nothing, I've got no crew around me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm useless. Looking for a way to make quick cash? Making cash with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love driving around my town. And now I can do that and get paid. Not to mention the sign-up process was so easy. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started. So I just shut my mouth, walk in. And they did the... Um, <laughs> they did the evaluation. So they open up your bag, make sure you got no contraband in there. And uh, out pops my pet rat. <laughs> so I used to have a pet rat, which I used to take around me and, and, and scares everyone in the room. And, and, uh, and, and, and uh, yeah. And so they're like, okay, that's got to go home. No pets here. And anyway, so I'm in team challenge. And, um, and, and, and the reason why I told the rat story is for one reason is that um, 
these when they when the guy saw the rats, um, that the staff members, they were like, This this guy ain't gonna last year. Like <laughs> he's he's got a mohawk, he's got chains, like there's gangster people everywhere, and here's a punk rocker walking into a place where, you know, like it, it was just like and, and they could smell the alcohol, they could probably still smell the cigarettes on me. I'm surprised they let me in. And uh, they're just like, This guy ain't gonna last. He hasn't detox, there's no way. And so yeah. I didn't come out of my room for about 48 hours for the first uh, for the first two days. I didn't come out of my room. I just sat in there sweating, and and I tell you, it was only by God's grace that I was um, that I got through that because uh, um, it really wasn't as painful as uh, some of the stories I've heard. And so I, I mean, I sweated a bit and had a bit of a headache, but I was more scared about going out and seeing the six foot two tongan than I was about you know the detox that I was going through. So that could have been it too. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so and and that's how I that's how I started getting to the place of okay, well now I'm in a Christian rehab. Yeah. Right. yeah. Do you want me to do you want me to go on with a story about how to, how I got to yeah, on. like this? Just getting yeah, we're everybody's listening. This is powerful. Keep going. <laughs> so if you you got any questions, please ask. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just uh, keep going. So we, um, we, so I get into the Christian rehab and, and I'm hating it. Like I didn't want to be a crown Christians. I didn't want to go to church. Apparently that's one of the requirements Up to Hillsong two times, a, two times a day, Pastor Glenn, two times. <laughs> I, I didn't even want to go. I didn't want to go once. And so um, we start going, we start going to this church. And I'm just like, okay, I start getting into it a little bit. Then, you know, I'd get home and I'd be like, oh no, that's right. That's right. I hate church. I hate Christianity. I hate church. And I'm actually even angry and probably, probably even could have almost said I hated God. I probably could have almost said that. I probably did with everything going on. And so, and so we'd go to church, you know, two times a day. The, you know, by the time we get home at night time, I was just furious. I hated it. And it was four weeks in, four weeks in, still hadn't given my heart to Christ. Still, you know, the one sitting up the back like this, you know, just looking and judging everyone with, you know, my really cool exterior and thinking no one could tell because I was an idiot. Um, and, and I just remember we're off to this, we're off to a men's conference, Hillsong men's conference. And we get in the bus. So we all have bus, which we traveled in. And, and there's this really, 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 really annoying. God. Well, he was annoying to me at that stage. He just annoyed me so much. And I just remember I, I jumped over about three or four seats and I was, I was literally going to kill this guy. Like I was literally going to kill him. Like I, he was just being, uh, saying smart aleck remarks and, and just nitpicking at me. And I was just like, I, I hadn't had a cigarette in four days. I'm certainly off drugs and alcohol. I'm going to church. You right. know, I, I think it was a Friday too. I think it was a Friday. So I'm like, we're going to church on Friday. I'm going to be here tomorrow and Sunday. Like this is the pit. And so I jump across the thing. I've got my hands around his neck. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm literally trying to kill him. And they drag me off him. And I don't know how I didn't get in trouble. Maybe because what happened that night. Anyway, we get to church and I'm just furious. And all of a sudden it was, it was like this guy just started speaking everything about my life, about all my insecurities, about all my pain, all my suffering. He just started talking on 2 Corinthians, um, 2 Corinthians 10, you know, um, uh, strongholds and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, how can, how does this guy know me? And yeah. next thing you know, I, uh, I wasn't one of those ones where my arm just automatically went up. All of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm just realizing my life is an absolute mess because of who I am, because of what I've allowed in because of every, and it was, it was almost like I realized that I was absolutely powerless to change my life. Like absolutely. I had nothing in me to do it. I didn't have any coping skills left. I didn't have anything. And so, 
I remember just like, and he's talking about Jesus and he's talking about how he's changed people's lives. And I'm like, man, that could be me. By the way, when I went to rehab, I forgot to share this. When I went to rehab, I had I, I actually wanted to get off drugs. And so I was like, I'm going to get off drugs. I'm going to still drink, but I'm going to come out. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the drug kingpin of where I live. So I'm about an hour north of Sydney. I'm like, I'm going to run this place. I'm going to come out. I'm going to buff up. And I'm going to run this place. And I remember that night sitting there going, I don't want that anymore. I don't, I don't want, I want Jesus. And, and, and it was almost like I knew my whole life that all I wanted was Jesus but I never heard about the Jesus that I wanted to hear about. I, w- I always heard about, you know, Jesus is going to slap you on the, you know, on the back of the head every time you do something wrong. And all of a sudden the, the altar call goes and I put my hand up and I'm, I, I mean, I, I, I go down the front, like I'm running down the front. I've got a mate. We have to have a, a, someone come with me because I've, I'm, I'm the biggest chance of absconding, right? They, they, they didn't trust me. So they, they you know, so Sebastian was his name, puts his hand around me. Can I come out the front? We, yeah, like, come, like, we go down the front. I give my heart to Jesus. And Brian Houston actually sp- speaks a word over, over my life. And God's going to do amazing, powerful things in you. God's going to transform your life. And I was like, whoa, that's cool, you know, type of thing. I've never seen that in church. And I go back the very next morning, Pastor Glenn, I'm on my knees. I wake up. The first thing that I do, I'm on my knees. I'm like, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for my life. Like, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know really how to pray. I was like, Lord, I thank you for Hail Mary full of grace. The Lord is, uh, I don't know what to pray, God. And I just remember, it's just like, oh, that's right now. I remember I've heard something, just, just speak. And I'm like, so I just started speaking to God. And, and so that's how I became, I came to Christ. It was a long, long journey to come to Christ. A long journey. How old were you at that time? I was 22. 22 wow. years of age. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh. So, so your, your journey since then, I mean, you, how long were you in Teen Challenge? Did you finish it out? Yep. Finished Teen Challenge. I did 18 months in Teen Challenge. I had a lot what? to work through. Yep. So normally it's 12 months, but I really needed the, uh, it was about, oh, sorry. It was about 16 months, 17 months, something just under 18. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it was, it was it was the most powerful time in my life. Wow. Yep. Yep. So how did just how did Teen Challenge impact you in terms of, you know, obviously you came to Christ there, but I mean in terms of your spiritual growth and the transformation that started to take place in your life. Yeah, that's huge. So um well I had no I had no foundation. So for anyone that 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 come from Christian background or church background, um I had no pre-stuff as far as um, Christian theology. I had a little bit of, you know, you say, oh, hail Mary, full of grace. Um, if you've done something really bad, you go to the Father. So they really set a foundation into me and, and built on the fact that Jesus is my, my savior. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the only one to bring me in. And and what it started to do is bring this foundation of who Christ was, not just not just what I need to be or who I need to be and how I need to be more as a productive person in society. It was more about who is Christ and how do we set the foundation of, okay, you live from Christ, not just live for, um, not just, not just live as with now you got Christ, you know, sort of in your life. It was like, no, you live for Christ now and that's it. And it was like, it was, it was learning to lay down all the feelings and, and issues and dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of stuff like literally i remember like days of crying like just a whole day of crying and just tears watching watching you know uh, and i it was just so powerful because you'd watch 
you know, sons come up to their fathers who were in the program. And I just, and I remember just sitting, chatting with God and just going, I'm never going to have that daddy. I'm never going to have, I'm never going to be a dad. I'm never going to. Um, and I remember like, I'm still getting emotional about it. Just sitting there. And I remember this one day it was this one day, this little about five-year-old boy runs to his daddy and just embraces him. I was just thinking, I'm going to miss out on that. And I remember the father just tell you, he just literally, and I'm bawling like for 20, 30 minutes. And he literally just, it was like the father just turned up and just says, it was, it was like, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And I didn't, he didn't need to tell me, you know, the whole plan for my life. He was just like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to get you through this. I'm your dad. I can do anything. And, and it was, it was moments like that in teen challenge and seeking God. Like I had 24 seven for seeking God. Like I could, sorry, shouldn't say 24 seven. We had to actually have eight hours of sleep, but we had 16 hours a day of just seeking God just seeking God. And I, I got to learn how to hear his voice. I got to learn, uh, um, I got to learn you know, um, not just what a lot of Christians don't get to learn is that uh, we're all in addiction of some sort or some kind because we're all from, we all come from sin and, and we're all recovering. Every single Christian is recovering. And, and, and having that mindset was so different because all of a sudden, I, I got to deal with a whole bunch of stuff that I suppose uh, not many Christians got had the privilege of working in. I mean, I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have to do anything else. I just had the privilege of working on um, on myself, working on Christ in me, working on um, be, not not becoming a better person, but becoming a godly person. Yeah, and so that that's some of the foundation which God laid, laid in in the in the year of Teen Challenge was, you know, dealing with pain, dealing with that that agony, dealing with so much rejection so much shame um yeah 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 rejection and shame is is you know so common that prevalent in our culture today and obviously what you went through growing up as a child all the surgeries and everything um you know just compounded this so much worse so for those who have um you know come out of a similar background as you particularly addiction and they, you know, still struggling. They, they believe in the Lord. They've really opened their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And but they're still struggling, you know, with addiction, maybe with shame. And and sometimes it's just obviously those deep, more deep rooted things that that cause us to turn to, a, you know, to to substance, for example. But what would you say to someone who's still struggling? You know, they just seemingly. Like, hey, they love Jesus, but now they're still not totally free. What, what, what did you learn on that? What did I learn on that? Stop loving your Egypt. Mm. Stop love. Stop loving the thing that uh, that is your bondage. The thing that holds you down. The, you know, the the place where there's the place. You know, it's it's like, it's like we love the walking out of Egypt but we're scared to do it too uh, uh, because we love Egypt so much because when, whenever we feel pain, we go back to using drugs and alcohol. I, I, I did go back to drugs and alcohol for one month and I learned a lot through that time as well mm. um, is that it was so easy to go back into it and it was right. so easy to, con- con- uh, to condemn myself because a lot of people in the church, um, and the, I'll say this for a lot of, I'll say this for both parties, for those who are in still in addiction, uh, for those yeah. who, sorry, three people, those who are out of addiction, but also those who have never been in addiction in the church. When someone walks out of church, uh, out of addiction, 
and walks into a church, he, uh, one of the, the struggles that I had, and this is the, the reason why I went back into drugs and alcohol, was because mm. everyone loved my testimony. Mm. But I was 22 years of age, right? And I was, I, I, I was slightly into youth leadership at that stage. So everyone mm. wanted to hear my testimony, but none of the parents believed that I was changed enough that my kids could hang around them. That broke my heart because it was like everything that you everything you've tried to do for two years or eighteen months um, gets you to the place, and I'm going to tear up. I don't care anymore. No, gets you to the place where where you 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 like I'm working so hard. It's been two years, and, and I've, got, I've built this testimony, and and you get to that place, and people like don't there's, there's no credit. They just want your testimony. They don't actually believe that Jesus has actually done that for them. And so you might be feeling with, you might be out there feeling like there's a, there's a shame or there's guilt or there's mistrust from that thing. And that's what stems you to go back to, back to the drugs and alcohol. And, 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 and we should never go back to that place, but we have to stop you. We, you have to stop condemning yourself in, that you, that you started using again, because condemnation leads to shame. Shame leads to hiding things and hiding things leads to isolation. Isolation leads to drugs. And it's just, and it's just a vicious um, um, cycle. So can I encourage someone, if, if, if you're in that place where you love Jesus, you're stuck in drugs and alcohol and you can't get out of it, do, do something like get out of it. You're in a place where you're in a place where, you're, you're stuck between Egypt and the freedom. You're stuck in the 40 years of the wilderness and, and your promised land was only a, only a three day journey. And um, I want I want to encourage you that it may, might only be a, a three day journey for you out of your drugs and alcohol. It might be a, only a journey, but you need to go with someone. You need to go with someone who has walked that path. You got to remember that Moses was, was a man who was out in the wilderness and came back into the, um, came back to Israel to bring them through the wilderness. So we need that person has that experience of going through the wilderness who won't judge you, who will also give you, um, good advice who will give you proper, uh, proper, um, a correction in, in a time when you need it, you know, and, and realize that you don't have to walk around the wilderness, loving Jesus for 40 years, never seeing the promised land. I think, yeah. I think that you should be more fearful that you don't see the promised land than you do that you might die getting there. Yeah. Can I, yeah, that's, that's what I'd encourage you. Yeah. Very, very uh, practical and powerful advice. It's so true, you know, shame and condemnation when that's heaped upon you from another person does cause people just to withdraw and isolate themselves. And of course, the situation just gets worse. So that's powerful. So let's talk about your journey now uh, moving forward, because you're in ministry, you've yes. got family. Uh, let's let's. Yeah. How did all of this happen? <laughs> Okay, so this is so this is the part of the story which I really like. I don't like the old story. I'm being honest. Most people, most people say you've got a great testimony. Now I go, I got a powerful one. There's a big difference. Great testimony would be if I walk with Jesus all my days of my life, and I wish I had that. So anyone who's young listening to this, I'd encourage you. I'd encourage you to walk all your days for Jesus every single day. Why? Because uh, when you do that, you don't have any regrets. And trust me, it's not hard to get regrets. Um, yeah. So my days now, I, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna share too quickly on this because this is the most exciting part of my life. I think. Um, so, I've been I've been uh, I've been 
in church ever since I've uh, ever since I got saved. I've only walked out of church for maybe six months, but that was due to um, for a split in the church and, and for a very good reason. I was still under someone. I was still around that person. Uh, I still was around the church community. And, and in fact, we actually started a church from that community, um, which went on for 10 years. It was an amazing journey of, of a lot of broken people who were getting healed. It was a hard journey, though. Talk, talk about hard churches. Walking through life, mm-hmm. uh, walking through a church where everyone is is got a, a, a struggle with the church or is being hurt or broken by the church or is offended by the church. I tell you, that is a hard church. But I tell you, I learned so much in that, Pastor Glenn. I learned, I learned you know, I didn't just learn the, the Christian phrasing, the Christian, the Christian ease. I didn't just learn how to how to deal with people that are doing well. I learned how to deal with people that were cynical. I learned how to deal with people that were um, that, that that come from that had legitimate hurts and also had you know uh, complex complexes that that when they had those complexes, they had perception of leadership being bad. It may not have as well. And we had to, we had to pull those stuff apart. So I went on this yeah. beautiful journey under a great pastor for 10 years of learning to pull apart. Um, what was, you know, what are the, you know, we had this term in Australia, what are the squeaky wheels, you know, the loud wheels that always want attention. And what are, what are the people that, that are loud because they needed attention and what are the people that are quiet that need the attention to. And uh, it was just such a beautiful journey. I got to, um, I, I, end up marrying my wife um, to that same pastor. Her name's Keely. She is an absolute godsend. I tell you, if there was if there was an ever an angel on earth with a human body, it's her. And um, she is just wonderful. She is she's been so much healing to me. You know, from coming from a place where I thought I was never have a family and therefore never having a wife. I, 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 um, um, I actually got her name in Teen Challenge. It was one of the healing points in Teen Challenge was I asked God, what's her name? And, and he told me Kelly. And uh, because I've never met a Keely in my life. And so I was like, Kelly. So I just remember. And uh, anyway, we're on our third breakup from me being, you know, insecure. (laughs) And and I'm driving past the waterfront where I live. And I remember looking over and I'm like crying. I'm like, why do I have to break up with her? And he goes, who who told you to break up with her? I'm like, you did. He's like, no, it was the devil. I told you. And I remembered what God showed me in Teen Challenge, what God told me in Teen Challenge, Kelly. And I was like, Lights came on. We never broke up again after that, and um, end up marrying her in two thousand and eight. Uh, and we just, uh, she is just my, I call her my dream girl, um, because she really is. And uh, we've been married now since two thousand thirteen, which is uh, a long time. <laughs> two thousand eight. Uh, it's about thirteen years. Yes, thank you, God. Um, uh, we've been married for 13 years. Um, we have two beautiful children. Um, so that's a story in itself. We, we, we had, um, we, we had a test back in 2011, which broke, we had two tests back in 2011, which broke our heart. Um, we, I went to go and get tested. Obviously I couldn't have kids. And, and, um, and I remember that came back absolutely negative. He's like, you, like zero, you literally have a sperm count of zero twice. And I was like, it's like, give up hope adopt anyway so we went on a little bit longer i probably wasn't ready to adopt i was still dealing with a few things obviously you know i have quite a complex past and i'm still probably still doing missing stuff it's going to come up again but um and so we get to that and all of a sudden we get to um god starts pressing on our hearts and this this uh evangelist by the name of john titus uh, from america comes over to us and he yeah. hands us a oh, hands us a personally yeah you know John Pastor John, dude, good guy. Yeah. I love Pastor John. Yeah. One of my best friends in the world now. 
not because of this story, but before that. And he hands me a pink blanket and Keely a pink blanket. Now I was really disappointed because I wanted a boy. Um, <laughs> and he's handed me this pink blanket. I'm like, oh. And so we started going, okay, I suppose we're going to have a kid. We started getting confirmation. So we went and got back and we just like, okay, we had some prayer and we went back and we got some tests. And next thing you know, we're, we're the doctor's sitting down and I had a lot of problems because I was like, I, I didn't really want a children. I was getting old. Like I was... 30, uh, 37 at the time, 36 at the time. I was like, oh, I'm probably getting a bit old to have kids and blah, 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 yeah. all the usual, you know, Christianese um, because Abraham had it at 90, right? Um, 99, 90, he had kids all the way in his eight, late um, late years. And anyway, so I, it comes back as positive. I'm devastated. I'm like, I, I didn't want kids. Like I, I planned my life not to have kids now. Right. Anyway, so anyway one thing leads to another and i'm like well god you need to do a miracle because this has got to happen it's got to happen naturally and we get a word off another guy by the name of pastor doug stanton and he's like you need to go for you need to go and get some um you need to get medical intervention and and he knows nothing about circumstances like god is going to give you a baby but you need to do it through medical intervention i had to humble myself and because my pride was, I'm going to get this miracle and this miracle is going to be the supernatural inception, inception of a baby or conception of a baby. And I was like, yeah, this, but I had to humble myself and follow the word of God. Like the, 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 the word of the Lord to me was go and get, go and get tested and then do it through um, unnatural means, which is IVF. And now we have a beautiful girl by the name of Mabel, who was born in 2017. And we, this year had our second daughter, whose name is Araya. And she's uh, 11 weeks this week. So, yeah. So we have, I have two beautiful daughters. Um, I have a beautiful wife. I've traveled to India preaching the gospel, um, seen some insane miracles and healings. And, you know, and one of the weirdest things is I had this, uh, I probably still have the, uh, this anointing where if people struggle with, uh, have, with fertility, um, I've seen many people get healed. I've had, I've had, uh, so many stories of healing like one lady who still doesn't believe in jesus right she hadn't had her periods for three years and i start working at this place and i said to her i said she just said to me oh you know i haven't had my periods in three three years i'm like well that's strange to share to me but anyway okay so i'm sort of a little bit weirded out by the conversation now comes to my mouth out of my mouth comes this i'll pray for you tonight and she's like, oh, that'd be great. Thanks. Next thing you know, she grabs me by the collar. She's my boss, by the way, drags me in the office. I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? I've done something wrong. She's like, what did you do? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? She's like, I got my periods this morning. Wow. <laughs> Next thing, now she's got three children to a lovely guy. Uh, yeah, it's just phenomenal. I, I've held babies over in India who I prophesied the year before that I would actually go and hold, did baby dedications. And you know how frustrating it is to do that and you don't have your own baby? I tell you, the, the Lord is weird. He is a strange character. You can't put him in a box, that's for sure. Yeah. And so we've traveled around. Um, we're, we've been to churches. We've been hurt by churches. We've been um, disillusioned by churches, me and my wife. And so much so that in 2019, we left a church, um, not because they were bad or anything like that. We just had different visions. I had a different, I, I had a, I had a vision within me and it wasn't really sitting in their vision. And, uh, and so I left, I left on good terms and, um, uh, I was like, God, you know, whatever, you know, I'm not even gonna, I'll just go and find a church, sit in it. And God's like, no, no, I've given you all this equipment grant. I've given you all this equipment for you to start a church. And like I had a storage, uh, like a shipping container full of all this equipment with lighting, sound, all that type of stuff, sound gear. Um, and, uh, 
everything. And I sit there, I'm just looking at it and I closed up. I just said, God, I don't want to talk about it yet. I go back about two weeks later, I open up the shed again and here's all this equipment. God's like, I want you to start a church. And I said, right, God, if you want to, if you want me to start a church, one condition, my family can't, my, my family can't suffer through this. I got a, I got a new kid. I got a baby. She was only like 11 months old. Like I got a baby. I'm not paying the rent. I'm not paying the more. I'm not paying off stuff for our church. If you want to do this, God, I need, I, I, you need to get someone to pay for rent for a year. So I get a phone call from Pastor Asher, who you know, Pastor Glenn, and he comes up to me, he goes, let's have a coffee. And I said, no problems. I come up, I have a coffee with him, sitting down. He's just like, oh, Grant, what's going on? And so I told him the story about me leaving and, and he goes, Grant, I was told by the Holy Spirit to make and that's it. God was telling me, you know, you should start a church. And I was telling God, you know, you sh he should start a church. And God said to him, God said to Pastor Asher, I want you to pay for, for, for Grant, uh, for rent for the year for Grant to start a church on the Central Coast. And so we started this church on the Central Coast and it's been phenomenal. Four weeks out from COVID, we started this church. My, you know, yeah. it, it's been incredibly difficult. It's been incredibly challenging. I mean, you couldn't start a church at a worse time in history right. almost. Right. Yes. Um, absolutely. <laughs> and so we started this church, and we have grown up. Uh, we've grown. We've almost got about. Uh, if everyone came, not that everyone comes at the moment, but we'd have almost forty-five to fifty people within just over a year, and we're growing astronomically. We've got more people who are looking to um, uh, to join our church uh, as COVID ends over here, or well, not COVID, but the restrictions end over here, lockdown. Um, but we're just right. growing, Glenn. And it's just been a phenomenal journey of God's faithfulness and. Um, you know, your life doesn't have to be as broken as 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 it is right now. Yeah. And I, yeah. And the one thing which I I, I will share, and, and you can ask any question you want after this, Pastor Glenn, but is is this? I see a lot of Christians who want to live broken lives because they think that's honourable to God. They love mm. their suffering. They love their pain. They love. Can I can I can I be brutally honest? Because I come from Australia, I can I suppose is. It's yeah. not worth it. Pain is not worth the glory. If, if, if it's, if it's, if it's a pain that is unnecessary, it's not worth the glory. My pain was necessary. A lot, a lot of it was unnecessary. My pain of using drugs was unnecessary, but my pain of, of my previous, uh, of my, uh, of, you know, uh, uh, of my childhood was necessary for who I am right now. But the pain of me going through drugs and alcohol and making bad decisions was, wasn't for God's glory. God will use it for his glory, but it's not for his glory. So I encourage anyone out there who's, who's, who feels like, you know, chaos and um, disorder in your life is, is something good. I would encourage you to get your healing as soon as possible because we need, we need a healthy body in the, in the body of Christ. We need healthy people in the body of Christ. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, everything that and you've gone through in life, no matter I'm speaking to anyone who's watching this this video, um, you, you're listening to the podcast. Ultimately, when you turn to Christ and you put your faith in him, he redeems it. The Bible says that even what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it around for good. Romans 8:28 speaks of how he does cause all things to work together for our good. When we love him, we're called according to his purpose. So ultimately, God is a good God. He loves us. He wants to bless us. He's He wants to protect us. He doesn't want us to go through all that stuff. But when we do go through it as a result, of, we live in a sinful world with sinful people that do evil things. 
and we get hurt and victimized. And, you know, the stories I've, I've heard uh, a story yesterday I was with uh, a couple that are in ministry and, and, uh, and the story, the, the guy I was with, you know, he was sharing his childhood growing up in New York City and how he was just so abused and physically, um, basically disabled as a result of that abuse. And still now, even though he's in, in his 60s, he's still disabled from that. And that was all abuse from family, you know, and and God wants to bring healing and deliverance to our lives. And yes. and I love what you said, Grant, about we don't have to love our pain. And, you know, I, I think of the story when Jesus came to the pool in Bethesda and there were many mm-hmm. people that were sick and ill. And, and he came to the man who was crippled and he asked him, will you be made whole? And, you know, sometimes we have to ask ourselves that question. Are we so comfortable in our, our condition, in our brokenness, in our, in our, um, you know, just just the, the, the lifestyle where our dysfunction um, that sometimes we don't know anything else and and we don't know what it's like to be whole. And so when people begin to experience the goodness of God and that's what I really believe, I believe it. I love there's a scripture in Hosea chapter three, I believe it's verse five. And it says they will come. The new American standard says they will come trembling to the goodness of the Lord in the last days. And when people experience the goodness of God and who he is, and they go, oh my gosh, I never knew life could be like this. I never knew I could have this peace. I could be loved by a father, a heavenly father, and so on. And then, as you've also stated, we go through these situations where unfortunately the church, because the church is comprised of people, the church is people, the people of God, broken people that are still on a journey to wholeness, and in many instances, we, we we don't always cooperate with what the Lord wants to do in our lives. We we say and do nasty things, hurt one another, and we need to forgive one another. But it also brings great pain. And 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 that story where you were in the church, and you know there were people evidently that were uh, laughing at you, or at least pointing at you and and laughing you know, because of the way you dress, the way you looked with Mohawk and everything else. That is a sad testimony. I had that happen to me when I was young. I went to church and I came out of a similar background and uh, it happened to me the exact same thing. And I got so angry and I left the church as well. So I know exactly what you're what you're speaking of, that hypocrisy and the, we need to love and accept all people. God will change them. We just love them. Yes. And ultimately. So, yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to share this amazing testimony. Listen, everyone, if God can change this man, Grant Robertson, he can change you. I'm telling you, he can change you. And uh, we want to pray, Grant, and we want to just just let you take a moment and just speak to people. Just throw out the net, the invitation for people to come to Christ. Would you just share from your heart uh, and, and in these closing few moments? Sure. If you, if you are broken, if you feel like everything in your life is is broken or you feel like it's all fixed and, and you've been listening to this testimony. I'm not, I'm not sharing about someone else's testimony. I've been sharing about mine. I've been sharing about what Jesus did in me. I've been sharing about who Jesus is for me, what he did for me. 
if that's you and you were you feel like my whole world is broken and what you shared today what you spoke about broke me in half it, 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 i've been either doing some of that stuff which you told me about or or maybe i was in the church and i have done that before and, or maybe maybe you've never known christ ever I want to encourage you. This is the moment to know that truly, truly, Jesus is the one who is the resurrected King, the one who was spoken about from 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 the day of Adam through to the day of Jesus' birth. That He was the one spoken of. He is. He's the one that was. He, you know, there's been never been another person that's been prophesied in his, into in history like Jesus before. You can look through every religion because trust me, I've gone through most of them, and I've never seen another man who's had so much um, documentation leading to his birth, his life, and his death, and even more so his resurrection. I'm, I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you today, wherever you are, right here in Australia or in America or wherever you're listening, this is your moment. This is your moment to accept Jesus. Not because, not because, we're, not because you have to accept Jesus, but because right now your heart is like going a million miles an hour. It's like, I want to accept, I want to know that person you talked about. I want to know that person that, that you seemed, that seemed to have changed your life. I can tell you right now, I couldn't change my life. I couldn't even have, I didn't have a chance of changing my life at all. I tried to change it. I did a f- certain things and it, it all ended up bad. But Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the one who the, the Bible talks about is the only one who can save. He's the only one who can redeem. It says in the book of Romans, you know, if you confess, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And, and, and people often ask this question these days. What are we saved from? We're, we're saved from a, a, an eternal destination or eternal hell eternal place a place where our body and our soul our spirit whatever uh, however it happens because uh, i'm not i've never gone into that full depth of what it is all i know is that heaven and hell is real and i've i've lived that and if you want to know jesus right now here is your opportunity and i would encourage you i would encourage you to, to not just go jesus come into my head or jesus come into my life i i would say jesus come into my heart and come as as john uh as john 1423 says that that he will come into your heart god the father god the son and god the holy spirit will come into your heart and make their home within in you they want to make their home within you they want to rearrange some furniture put up some new some new um some new drapes they want to put in some new carpet why because they want to make you look glorious because if that's the beautiful thing about god is even even as dilapidated and as run down as I was, God had an God had an investment in Jesus that He would raise me up and that I would eventually be glorious. That I would actually even shine. That I would that I would look so different to who I used to be. That I would have a completely different person on the inside and on the outside. And so I'd encourage you right now, if you want to accept Jesus, I'm just going to say a very quick prayer and and. And if that's you, I just want you to follow along. I'll give you time in between. So I'll say a sentence. If you've never done this before, I'm just leading you through this. I'm going to say a sentence. Then I want you to repeat it. Then I'll say another sentence. I want you to repeat it until we get to amen. Okay. So Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you are going to come and live in my heart right now. Jesus, I confess with my heart and I I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. That you are the Lord of all. And now you are the Lord of me. Jesus, come and take my life. As broken as I am. 
Come and make me whole. Come and accept me. And make me new, just like your word says, for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If that was you and you um, and you're on this live stream and you accepted Jesus, you can you can get back to Pastor Glenn and just let him know um, that you've accepted Jesus. I'll be so I'll be so excited to to hear as well if you want to share that. But I'm so excited for you guys coming to Jesus. That's the ultimate thing is to come to Jesus. Um, so thank you so much for your time for listening as well. I know I've um, spoken a lot um, and uh, there's a lot to listen to. So thank you, Pastor Glenn, as well. Yeah. No, you're welcome. It's been an honor to have you with us, Grant. And, you know, I just want to share in closing that if you're in Australia, New South Wales, um, Central Coast, is that where you are? Beautiful. Yes, Central Coast. Yep. Yeah. And, hey, check out the, the Hub Church. That's where Please Grant do, yes. is. The hubchurch.com.au. Even in the lockdown, you can still visit the website. But check it out, guys, and get connected if there's any way we can serve you, especially if you opened your heart and you said that prayer and you mean it from your heart to follow Jesus. Look, we've got some stuff online at our website, awakenations.org, lots of teachings. Just start listening to the word, begin to pray, seek God, find a, a good group of, of believers that you can connect with. We can help you with that as well if you're in the United States, Canada, and even other countries. We have something called the Kingdom Community. And we're connected with believers and ministries all over the world. And we'd love to be able to help you out. So please feel free to reach out to us. You can go to awakenations.org, hit the contact um, uh, button on the, on the menu and just send us a message and we'll get back to you. So thank you guys for tuning in and being part of the Kingdom Encounter broadcast. My name is Glenn Blakeney. My guest has been Grant Robertson from Australia. And uh, I love Australia. I'm looking forward to coming and visiting again. My wife and I lived in Perth for several years, pastored an amazing church there. Uh, miss Australia heaps sometimes and uh, look forward to visiting again. So again, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Grant, for being our guest. And uh, we look forward to uh, staying in contact with you. Uh, yes, bless you. Too. Yeah, it's been yeah. great to have you. You have a great day. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been an awesome time to connect with you. I just want to encourage you again to um, check out our website, awakenations.org. Be part um, of, of the training that we offer. We You can go to awakenations.org equip, uh, awakenations.org community and learn more about us. I'd love for you to connect with me on social media, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook. And uh, next week, we have a great um, broadcast. We've got Pastor or Dr. Michael Maiden from Arizona, from Christ for the Nations Church, or Church for the Nations. That's right, Church for the Nations in Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to be talking about prophecy, and um, he's got a great book that he's written on the prophetic. I know you're going to enjoy that. That's next Thursday, 9 p.m., uh, so that will be the 15th of August at uh, 9 p.m. Let me make sure I get this right. Actually, that's going to be the 12th of August. <laughs> Here we go. The 12th of August at 9 p.m. Central. No, Eastern time. There we go. I'm traveling all over the place. I got to get these time zones right. So bless you guys. Thank you so much for being with us again. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. And please do share 
the broadcast. Bless you. Thanks for tuning in to Kingdom Encounter with Glenn Blakeney. To learn more about us, including how to connect to our kingdom community, please visit our website, awakenations.org. Again, that website address is awakenations.org. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can receive powerful, life-changing teaching. We appreciate that effort, and we hope you'll join us again in the next episode of Kingdom Encounter. Get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just five ninety nine each. Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, going! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's too, where you can mix and match two or more. Five ninety nine each at Domino's. Two item minimum pan pizza, bone and wings, and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary.